not going to be up here for very long. I just want to share a short message, and then we're going to go into an extended time of worship. And uh, I thought it would be good to share from Psalm 100. And so if you have your Bibles with you this morning, you can turn to Psalm 100. If you don't have your Bible with you, that's okay, or if you prefer, it will be on the board. And so let's read Psalm 100 together. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord, and some translations say worship. Serve or worship the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. And so you can see it's a very short psalm, only five verses. But interestingly enough, it's not the shortest psalm. That is Psalm 117, which only has two verses. But in this, in this short psalm, in these, in these five verses, we are being called to worship. Psalm 100 is a call to worship, and so I thought it might be good having a worship service to share Psalm 100, and then we're going to go into a longer time of worship, like I said. But this psalm isn't just calling us to worship. It's calling us to worship in a certain way, and, it, and it's calling us to worship with a certain attitude, a particular type of attitude. And the psalmist doesn't just say, make a noise. What does he say? He says, make a joyful noise. He doesn't just say that we should worship or serve God. He says we must worship or serve God with gladness, with gladness. He doesn't just say, come into God's presence. He says, come into God's presence with singing. And yes, enter his gates, but do so with thanksgiving. And yes, enter his courts but enter his courts with praise and give thanks and bless God's name. And so there's the sense when we read the psalm that there should be joy and celebration and excitement and enthusiasm and gratitude. And maybe you are feeling that way this morning. Maybe you are feeling joyful and grateful, especially after the last song, that happy day song. But maybe you're not. <laughs> Thanks, Rose. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're not feeling joyful or grateful. I spoke to someone this morning who said she feels weepy. I spoke to other people who said they're tired. And so you read the psalm and it says be joyful and be grateful. But that's not your reality. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're feeling a bit distracted. You're thinking about last week, you're thinking about tomorrow, you're thinking about a lot of other things, but you're not really thinking about God or feeling joyful or grateful. Maybe you're feeling overwhelmed. And there was someone this morning as well who said she feels very overwhelmed. Maybe life is just overwhelming. Situations are overwhelming. Maybe you're visiting for the first time and you're like, oh, I don't know how things go down here. Maybe you're feeling challenged. 
I think a lot of us are feeling challenged just by life in general. Maybe there's a specific situation at work that's challenging you or a relationship that you're feeling particularly challenged in. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and your heart's heavy. There's hurt that you're carrying, either from an old hurt that just keeps on getting stirred up or a recent hurt that's, that's just surfaced. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're lonely. You're not alone because there are people around you, but there's this deep sense of loneliness that you, that you carry with you. Maybe you're tired. <laughs> a lot of us can relate to that. Emotionally tired, physically tired, just this weariness. Maybe you're fearful or anxious. Maybe you're saying, my emotions are a little stronger than that. I'm angry. I'm angry. I'm angry at someone or I'm angry about something. Maybe it's, it's less intense than that and you're disappointed. There's a situation that you thought was going to turn out a certain way and it hasn't. Or you're waiting for something and it's taking longer than what you think it should. And so when you hear the psalm that we should worship with joy and gratitude, actually you just feel guilty. Because sure. actually you're not even sure if you even feel like worshipping. And so I'd like to say welcome to the worship service. But please, please don't switch off. Don't switch off. And don't do a leopard crawl out the side door. Stay here because something amazing happens in the psalm. The psalm doesn't just tell us that we should worship. It gives us a why for worship. It tells us why we can worship and why we should worship. It gives us the secrets, the secret to joyful and grateful worship that it's calling us to. And I'm really trusting that this psalm is going to help us to worship God in the way that he deserves, not just today, but every day and in every circumstance. And I'm really trusting that this joy and this gratitude will become like a, a golden thread that just weaves itself through every aspect of our lives and not just when we are at church on a Sunday. So I thought let's have a look at, at just two verses, two verses in this, in this psalm, because I think they're key verses that unlock the other verses uh, in Psalm 100. And in these two verses, the psalmist is pointing to some important things that we need to know when we're worshiping God. And so the two verses I'd like to have a look at this morning are verse 3 and verse 5. And the first one is on the board for us. It says, no, know that the Lord is God. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And I just want to break that verse down into three parts. And the first part is that know that the Lord is God. Know that the Lord is God. The, the person, because he's a person, you are worshiping is Lord and he is God. He's not some idol that humans have created. He is the only true and living God. And he is the supreme and the sovereign ruler of the world. He's unmatched. No, nothing and no one compares to him. Nothing and no one is better than him. There is no authority above him. 
He's the highest authority. He doesn't answer to anyone. That is the God that we worship. He's almighty. In other words, he is the most powerful being in the world. There is no one more powerful than him. And so the psalmist is trying to help us grasp who this God is that we're worshiping, not that we will ever grasp who he is. And so that's the first part. Know that the Lord is God. The second part is, it is he who made us. It is he who made us. And this is pointing to God being the creator. There was nothing until he brought everything into existence. And the psalmist doesn't just say, God created the world. He makes it very personal. He says, he made us. And so he created you with purpose and with intention. So your life and your being is not random. You're not here randomly. And God doesn't just leave it there. He doesn't just create us and say, okay, now get on with it. He says, the psalmist goes on to say, it is he who made us and we are his. In other words, we belong to him. But he still doesn't stop there. It goes on to say, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So God is not this controlling, distant owner. He's a shepherd. He's a shepherd. And as a shepherd, he promises to provide for us. And he promises to protect us. And to guide us. And to care for us. He's not just a shepherd. He's the good shepherd that we read about in Psalm 23 and in John 10. So friends, there's profound truth about God just in this one verse, verse three. But do we know it? Do we know it? Do we read it? Do we think about it? Do we believe it? Because if we do, it will change the way that we worship. So the Lord is your God. The Lord is your creator. The Lord is your owner. The Lord is your good shepherd. And that is something that we can be very joyful about and something we can be very grateful for. And so that's verse 3. Let's move on to verse 5. Verse 5 says, For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. And so if we have a look at that first, the first part of that verse, God is good. And we sang that line this morning, you are good, you are good. But not only is God good, God is the standard for all that is good. He always does what is best, even when we don't understand it and even when we don't agree with it. Because by nature, God is good. He can't be anything else except good. There's no evil in God. And his intentions and his motivations are always good. We sang that line, you're never going to let me down. And maybe when you sang that line, it didn't resonate with you. Because you feel like, actually, I'm not experiencing that God's never letting me down. I feel like he's let me down. But that's why we need to remind ourselves of these truths. That's why we need to keep reminding ourselves that God is good. And our feelings should follow that truth instead of the other way around. Because our feelings are going to mislead us. 
They're going to make us believe things about God that are simply not true. And so we have to keep reminding ourselves of the truth. And friends, how can we not believe that God is good after, after Easter, what we've just celebrated over Easter time, the death and the resurrection of Jesus? That is the ultimate expression of a good God. It's the ultimate expression that God is good. And David invites us in Psalm 34 verse 8, he says, taste and see or experience for yourself that God is good. He is good. So that's the first part. God is good. The second part of verse 5, his steadfast love endures forever. And so not only is God good, but he's loving. He's a loving God. And not only is he loving, I want to describe to you what his type of love is like. It's a steadfast love. What does that mean? It means that he's committed. He's committed to you. He is loyal. He's faithful. He's enduring. His love is persistent. It's eternal. It's constant. It's steady. And it's stable. And if you just sit with those words and you think about them, how can joy not well up and gratitude well up? This is the way God loves us. This is the way he loves us. And Romans 8.38 tells us, nothing, nothing, nothing. Whatever Greek word was used there, it means nothing. (laughs) Nothing can separate us from this love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so if that kind of love sounds appealing to you and you're interested to know where you can find it, it is to be found in and through Jesus. And so just to recap, God's steadfast love endures forever. And then the last part of that verse, and his faithfulness to all generations. God was faithful in the past. God is faithful in the present. And God will be faithful in the future. God is forever faithful. And so friends, it changes everything. When you know not only who God is, but who he is to you. Who God is to you. And because of who God is, we have purpose. We have destiny. We have belonging. We have identity. We have security. We have commitments, and we have love. And are are those not the deepest longings of the human soul? All of those things. And so to wrap it up, I told you I wasn't going to be long. We've just focused on two verses in Psalm 100. It's a short psalm, five verses, and there's so much rich truth in just two of those verses. Can you imagine the rest of the Bible, all the truth that is contained in the rest of God's Word. And God's Word is His special revelation to us. That is how He reveals Himself to us. And it's so important that we get into His Word and that we we believe the truth of who God is from His Word. So you see, to get back to worship, worship is not about faking emotion. It's not about stirring emotion. You know, it's, it's not about the slickness of the band or the talents of the band, even if the little drummer boy is very cute. <laughs> Sorry, boy. He's going to kill me. He's going to kill me for that. 
It just slipped out. Sorry. It's not about those things. It's not about those things. Let's not make it about those things. It's about knowing God. It's about knowing God. That's the secret to worship. That's the secret if, if we want joy and gratitude to overflow. Jesus says in, in Luke 6.45, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And, and when our hearts are full of the truth of who God is, then awe and wonder and joy and gratitude at just knowing and belonging to a God like this will, will overflow from our mouths in joyful and grateful praise. And so we've sung two songs so far, and maybe your head wasn't in the game, your heart wasn't in the game, but our I really encourage us to allow Psalm 100 to call us to true worship. And let's use the, the songs that are coming now to really just focus in on who God is. In each of these songs, there is a truth about who God is, and let us focus on that. And so I'd like us all to stand, and I'm going to pray for us. If you feel comfortable, you can close your eyes and just hold your hands out in front of you. Lord Jesus, I'm reminded of that song. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, where it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing that I have made it when it's all about you. And so, Lord, we repent before you this morning for making worship about things other than you, for making it about ourselves, for not putting the focus on you and who you are and what you've done for us, Lord. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that as we enter into this longer time of worship this morning, that you would reveal the truth of who you are to us. And we know that joy and gratitude will overwhelm us and will overflow into true worship, the worship that you deserve, God. In Jesus' name, amen.